aircons on. Everybody comfortable. If you're uncomfortable, just say, listen, I'm a bit uncomfortable. Put the fan slower, faster. Is that okay? Very good. Uh, is that okay? Yeah. I was like, no, it's not a rhetorical question. <laughs> I'm actually expecting an answer. No, it's not okay. <laughs> All right, so. If I have to title this message, um, it's like, how blind are you? That's basically, but that will be like derogative, eh? It's like, how blind are you? But in this piece of passage, um, which I've just titled Temple Tax, because that's what it's called, Temple Tax. We get, it, it shows us exactly how we can look at something in life and completely miss, completely miss it. We're totally blind to things. Right, so we, we, we're going through Matthew, so we had Matthew 17, 24. Just a quick question before we carry on. Did you guys enjoy Rod last week? Okay, can he do it again? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Rod. Thank you that I can also have a day off. I appreciate that. Okay. Um, and thank you that you guys have accepted that, that somebody else can also stand here, that we're not caught up in this um, following a person, a man, that, that our hearts is not turned towards Wilco or, but to my gifting, but to the Lord. It's, it, that's, that's, that's the biggest job of a pastor is actually to point to the great shepherd. And thank you that we can do, and thank you that you guys accept it. Um, so let's read this passage together. Matthew 17, verse 24. When that can come to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the temple tax? He said, yes. And we had come into the house. Jesus anticipated him saying, what do you think, Simon? From who do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes? From their sons or from strangers? Peter said to him, from strangers. Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the fish that comes up first, and when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and for you. Okay, all the fishermen, just moxo, those people that really love fishing. Okay. Here's your text for being obedient to the Lord. It's the only time in the Bible where it's line fishing is written. The rest is nets. Okay. So don't feel too guilty, but not on a Sunday morning. Man. <laughs> All right. So there's an obvious thing that glares at us from this piece of text. It's so obvious we miss it. Okay. So the people in the first service, they were like, Rarach. This, this is how obvious it is, but we miss it, and how blind we can be. So this temple tax started in the Old Testament, in Exodus 30. You can put that on the board. And Exodus 30, if, if it, we're having problems, so just page to your, with your Bibles to Exodus 30, verse 11. See who knows their Bibles this morning. Exodus is in the front, okay? <laughs> Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, when you take a census of the children of Israel for their number. Okay, so this tax or this temple tax thing was implemented at a census when we count everybody, when everybody is counted. We count people because people count. 
Okay? Why did you get that? We count people because people count. In the Bible, God does that. He counts the people because people count. They are significant. They're not insignificant. Okay? So then, when you take the census of the children of Israel for their number, that then every man shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord. A ransom. Okay? When you number them, when it's a census, that there may be no plague amongst them when you number them. There's a bit of a protection in that as well. That is that everyone among those who are numbered shall give half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary. The half shekel shall be an offering to the Lord. Everyone included amongst those who are numbered from 20 years old and above shall give an offering to the Lord. The rich shall not give more than the poor, and the poor shall not give less than half a shekel. When you give an offering to the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. So, to just get you on to speed, what it's saying and what the Lord is saying. You see, you come out of Egypt, Israel. You walked out of Egypt. You were slaves there. You were slaves there. Now you are free. Okay. Now we're going to have a census, and everyone is going to give half a shekel. Not a full shekel, because we need each other. Half a shekel. If you're rich, half a shekel. If you're poor, half a shekel. Okay? That's the price. It's the ransom price. Now, if you come out of slavery, and somebody says to you, you need to give me two day wages of money for a year. That's what half a shekel equals to two day wage. If you have a gardener that works for 200 rand a day, that means 400 rand. That's once a year. You give up. That was the ransom. And it went to the temple for the upkeep of the temple and the fixing. I'm not going to ask you to give money. Okay? We've done that. So don't think, don't sit there and think, I pratal via geld. I'm not. I'm going to explain to you this half shekel thing. And do you, because they were free, because they were liberated, because God took them out, the ten plagues. Remember the ten plagues? That ten plagues lasted a year. It didn't come near them. Only on the Egyptians. And they walked out with all the gold and all the cattle and all everything. They ransacked Egypt when they left. And they went to the Red Sea. And the Red Sea was parted. And they were following after the glory of God, the fire by night and the cloud by day. They're following after the glory of God into the desert. They are freed from slavery. God says, now you pay me a ransom so we can build this temple, look after the temple. Do you think they did it begrudgingly or did they do it with a good heart? You did it excited and we're free. Two days of labor for the whole year. Okay, so the mathematicians worked out that that amount today would equate to 70, 75,000 pound a year that they would give. 75,000 pound. Now that's a lot of money, eh? But everybody only gave two days of work. They had to give to buy them free. Now with time... And the powers that be, it became an unwritten law. So where there it was a, thank you, Lord, this is my ransom money. 
Okay, I'm paid for the same price, rich or poor. Everybody pays the same price. The price that was paid was half a shekel. So everybody's free. So over time, the guys, the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they realized, listen, this is kind of a good income for, for the temple. Because that money was to build the temple, maintain the temple, buy some food. The money was That's what that money was for there. And so without writing it into law, it became a social law. So now when these tax collectors come to Simon Peter and say, does your master not pay the temple tax? They're not asking a question. They are accusing. Uh, do, you, do you guys not pay the temple tax? You know? It's time, eh? Are you coming to the party to pay the temple tax? So it became the social law. There was no legal consequence to not paying it. But you were shunned. You were looked down upon if you didn't. Because, you know, it's the temple tax. Highlight, ne? Highlight. It happened so that people would spontaneously put up kiosks. No one asked them to do it. They spontaneously put up kiosks all over temple tax. Your couple said, you pay your temple tax. You can give it to me. I'll take it. Temple tax? Temple tax. So the people, self-appointed. That's how it started working. Can you understand the pressure that it started causing on the people? Can you understand how it's moved from a place of, thank you, Lord, for delivering us from Egypt, to, oh, I must. And now it's begrudgingly. Now it's with a heavy heart. Now it's, if I don't, I get frowned upon. You know, like, are you coming to the braai? Yes, did you pay the temple tax? Pay the temple tax, ne? Then you can come to the braai. <laughs> Listen, you can come to this church without giving. <laughs> you can have coffee for free as well. We want to bless you. See, and what Jesus did yeah, in, in saying to Simon Peter, guys, I want you to, this is where it starts, you have to see it, because this is where we're blind. This is exactly where we're blind. We're already in the place that is right in front of us, but we're not seeing it. Already in the place. You see, they come to Jesus and say, do you not pay the temple tax? So Jesus, who is an excellent communicator, he is probably the best communicator we'll ever see if you can look into the pages and see how he communicates. I want to give you an example of how Jesus communicated beyond anyone's comprehension while he was on earth. He was very, very intelligent. And he knew how people worked. They asked him that there's an argument about the life year after. If you die, do you go to heaven or hell? Is there a life after death? So they come to Jesus, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they say to him, there was a man that was married to a woman. And he died. And she married his brother. And he died. And then she married the last brother. And he died. Then when she dies, whose wife is she in heaven? This is the question they're asking him. And Jesus, understanding their motives, understanding what he says, you don't understand. A spirit does not give, be given into marriage. 
in the life you're after. And he nails both of their questions in one answer. He says, number one, a spirit doesn't have organs. Okay? <laughs> a spirit can be masculine and feminine, okay? But doesn't have organs, not given in marriage. In the life you're after, you will not be given in marriage. Do you understand? You'll recognize each other. If you're a feminine female today, you'll have, you've got a female spirit. And if you're a male, you've got a male spirit. How is the spirit gendered? Yes, the Holy Spirit is spoken of. He, He will come. See, there's a big, oh man, I'm loving this. Thank you, Lord. There's a big move in the world right now that wants to make God feminine. Okay? It's not. It's He. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when He comes, He will remind you of my words. Not when she comes. Okay? So that's why we have to be careful what we watch and what we read. Think of the movie The Shack. How they portray the Holy Spirit as female. Wrong. It's just a small little thingy. But it's wrong. He's male. Okay, it's very, very important that we understand that. So they come to Jesus and they say, do you not pay the temple taxes? Peter answers, yes, 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 of course we do, of course. What do you mean, Jesus? Definitely, don't worry about it, we'll pay the temple tax. And then he goes to Jesus. Like, Actually, Jesus, uh, 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 but Jesus heard him through the window, around the door. He just he heard the conversation. He says, Simon Peter, so tell me now. I know you've already said we pay the tax. Not a problem. We're going to pay this tax. Okay? I just want you to know it. Calm down. We're not going to be socially pressured. Okay? Just relax. But tell me, the kings, the, do they tax their sons or their subjects? Why would a king tax his own son? He only taxes the subject. Are you guys seeing it yet? Yeah. Huh? Are you starting to see it? Okay. He's saying to him, I am the son of the king. That temple tax is for my temple. Can you see it now? That's my temple. Why would, why would I pay it? It's my temple. The tax that you're going to collect, and bring to, you ought to bring to me and ask me, Sir, we have got 75,000 pounds this year. What do we do with it? Well, buy that, fix that, do that, expand that. Dude, this is what I want you to do. Make sure that this place runs smooth. That's what he will tell him. It's just a, and he's they, they call it a Socrates type of teaching by asking a question to get an answer that will answer the question that you are asking. Do you understand the question? Okay, do you, did I lose you there? Einstein did it as well. Einstein, it's a very uh, good way of teaching people when they ask you a question is to ask them a question that will lead them to an answer to your question and their question. It will reveal to them. And this is what he's doing. He's saying, do the kings tax their sons or do they tax their subjects? He says, sir, they tax the subjects. Then the sons are free. Yes, I am the Son of God. Remember, Simon Peter said to him, but you are the Son of God. So he sees it immediately. He says, oh, you don't have to pay the tax. 
you the son of God. But what does Jesus say? Jesus teaches him another lesson. He says, but we're not going to offend them. So we're not going to offend them, Peter. Go and catch a fish. And in the fish's mouth, you'll find some money. It'll be four drachma. That's if you go break it down and find out and do your research. Four drachma. Two drachma is half a shekel. Four drachma is a full shekel. And Jesus partners with him. Jesus wants to partner with you. Where you are at in your life, whatever you do, Jesus wants to partner with you. And it's a 50-50, by the way, in this instance. He says, you go and catch that fish and you pay yours and mine. Yours and mine. You pay it. But we don't have to pay. I don't have to pay it, son. The temple is my temple. The tax comes to me. I am in charge. And to show you that I'm in charge, I'm going to tell you, there will be a fish with a coin in its mouth. Now, a fish eat a lot of stuff. All the fishermen, they know what I'm talking about. They take weird stuff out of sharks' stomachs. and they take. But to, that's not the miracle that the fish child the coin. The miracle is that Jesus said, you're going to cast it in the fish that bites on it. That one will have a coin. That's the miracle. He knew exactly when, where, and how. And it is by line, not by net. It's specific. The same price. You and I are going to pay. You're going to pay half a shekel. I'm going to pay half a shekel. Thank you. Take that money. Give it to them. But Jesus is concerned about offense. And Jesus offended people a lot. A lot. He wasn't calm to offend people. But his offense was restricted to the cross. Let me give you an example. I don't necessarily, not necessarily, don't be mad at me. I'm giving my opinion. Don't be offended by what I'm saying now. I don't like tattoos. Okay? I don't like tattoos. I'm not a coloring book. You're not going to hit me with a wet newspaper. That's just me. Okay? If you want to do that, knock yourself out. You know, it's like, whatever. But I don't like that. Now, I can come to you and I can say that and that can offend you. Am I right? I can offend you. Um, I don't... Speedo. You will never, ever see me in a speedo. <laughs> you know? I don't like that. I think it's too revealing, you know? Where did you buy that? Knop stores. <laughs> you know? Now, that can offend people. Am I right? It can offend people. Jesus constrained his offense to the cross. Okay. <laughs> that could be offensive. No. No. Jesus constrained his offense to the cross. Now, let me give an example to you. We've got Indian people here. We've got black people here. We've got Bure here, Engelsmana, people that... From that I've got family and friends that are good people that we love and care about but there's only one way to the everlasting life that's Jesus now that is offensive do you understand that? that's offensive you come to a sinner and you tell him doesn't matter how good you are 
your grandfather, very nice guy, pleasant guy. You know, your granny, your parents, everybody's raised, he's provided, he's never harmed a fly. But he's not saved. Your goodness, sir, will not get you in heaven. Do you understand? That's offensive now. The cross is offensive. Jesus says, we're not going to offend on this. We'll give them this drachma. Carry on. I'll show you that I'm the king of kings. It's not a problem. Doing another miracle to prove to you that I am the king of kings and the Lord of lords. To Jesus, it's not an issue. Okay. But he doesn't want to offend. He constrains his offense to the cross. This is how it sounds. They say, Abraham said, he says, before Abraham was, I am. All right. What is he saying? I'm God. What do they want to do? Right there and then, stone him. He says, I am the son of man. What? You, son of God, son of man. Stone him. That's blaspheming. He says to him, you see this temple you guys got? I'm going to destroy it and raise it up in three days. He's offending them with the cross the whole time. Offending them. You see, the scripture says, um, and we're battling with the, the board upstairs. So I'm going to just page there in First Peter. Let's go to First Peter. That's in the back of your Bible. Um, it sometimes hide away for you. Like now. <laughs> Peter, come here. Stop playing hide and seek. <laughs> First Peter 2. Verse 7 and 8. Therefore, do you believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Okay, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Jesus is that. He, people stumble over him. They don't like the message necessarily. In Acts 4, you go to Acts 4, verse 11 and 12, it says this, There is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Can you see that's offensive? It, that's the cornerstone that rejects. 1 Corinthians 1. You got a 1 Corinthians 1. You just get there. Come now, man. 1 Corinthians 1, 6, uh, 1, 18 and 19. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and 19. Listen to this. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. How can the cross, the death of one man, pay for my sin? That's foolishness. It doesn't make sense. And to believe that the dead man rose from the dead, they're suddenly alive. That's insane. Cuckoos. In this world, it doesn't make sense. Who's seen a dead thing come alive? None of us. Yet we believe it. It's easy. For it's foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the, of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. See, they couldn't get it. They couldn't get it. And the people now, it's, it takes God's work 
for you and I to see, to see that the cross is the power of God. Does that make sense? A lot of people don't understand it. They don't get it. And we ought to pray that the Father would grant them salvation. You see, you cannot call Jesus Lord but by the Holy Spirit. I've dealt with people. I say, can you say after me, Jesus is Lord. They go, Connie. They storm out of my office, angry. Why? Because it's by the Spirit of God that you can say Jesus is Lord. That's a demon right there in your face. Connie. You can't do it but by the Spirit of God. Not just, yeah, yeah, but I'll say it, I'll say it. Can you say it from your heart? That Jesus is Lord, that He died and rose again. You can only do that by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. No one can that's saved can call Jesus accursed. No one that is saved will break Jesus down. No one that is saved will argue with Jesus. No one that is saved will take this Bible and say, I disagree with this and I disagree with that. It doesn't suit me yeah, and it doesn't suit me there and tear out the pages. You can't. If you're saved, the Spirit of God will work in you and you say, I don't understand it, but I submit, sir. I submit. You, Lord, and I'm not. <laughs> hey, that rhymed, huh? <laughs> Just like you. All right. You see, this temple tax, half a shekel, who paid that? The rich and the poor. Everybody paid the same thing. In God's eyes, everybody has the same value. So you might sit there where you are seated and feel insignificant. I want to tell you that's a lie from the pits of hell. You might be young and say, well, the adults are more important. That's a lie from the pits of hell. You see, there's no junior Holy Spirit that comes on children. It's the same Holy Spirit. The value is the same. Young and old, rich and poor, mooi, lelik, geslaan met die tattoos of nie. Okay? I don't know. I think some people have been shot with a shotgun, eh? And then they just put earrings in there. <laughs> and I was like, I can't understand. You go for piercing and another one, another one, another one, another one, another one. It's sore, man. <laughs> so it had to happen all at the same time. <laughs> put earrings in there. <laughs> oh, Lord. We love you so much. Yeah. <laughs> So everybody's paid the same price. You see, it's already talking about Jesus. The ransom for you was paid only by one person. And he paid the same price for everybody. Amen. Do you get that? Amen. See, oh man, I'm getting excited. <laughs> First Corinthians 6.20 Listen to what it says. 1 Corinthians 6.20. It says, For you were brought at a price. Therefore, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You were bought with a price. What was that price? His blood. 
His life. Therefore, you and I must glorify God with our body and with our spirit. So how do I glorify God with my body? Well, my time, my energy, my resources. Do I do it begrudgingly? Well, if it's become law, you will. But if you can remember and recall Egypt, where you were slave to Pharaoh, where sin ruled over you, and where you were going to hell and looking forward to it, enjoying the trip, Wednesday aand, Saturday aand. Ne? Now, when I get saved, if I am truly saved, it is a joy to serve the Lord. It is a joy to bring my time and my energy and my resources to the Lord. I serve Him. Why? Because His temple belongs to Him. He didn't have to pay the tax, but He did. He didn't have to purchase you and I, but He did. He paid a ransom to set us free from sin, to set us free from judgment. I didn't come to judge the world, but to save it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that they might not perish, but have everlasting life. John 10, 10, I didn't come. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you life and life in abundance. Are you following? Jesus paid this price. You were bought at a price. That is your... So, and, and this is where the introspection part of this message comes, is do I serve God gladly? Or do I do it begrudging? It has become law for me. It has become a schlep for me to get up on a Sunday morning and go to church. Or do I do it because there's some social pressure on me? Don't you, don't you go to church on Sundays? Don't you pay the temple tax? Can you see the correlation? Can you see how, the, how quickly when I move from relationship into law, legalism, it will weigh me down? And then those that collect the tax will put pressure on me. Luckily, he paid it. Next one, scripture I want to take is 1 Corinthians 7.23. You are brought at a price. What's that price? Jesus' life. You are brought at that price. Can you see you were ransomed, purchased, paid for? Don't become slaves of men. How do you become a slave of man? How do you become a slave of man? You get yourself indebted. Romans 13. I owe no man anything except to love him. Because if you owe somebody some money, you become their slave. All right? It's very difficult in our day and age to buy a house and a car and not, not, not go into debt. Financial managers these days will advise you in your business. You don't do business with your own money. You borrow the bank's money. You've become a slave. God says, you were bought with a price. Don't be their slave. Don't be their slave. Serve him, not man. In church. Don't serve the pastor. Don't serve this congregation from a place of I am serving a man or trying to lift up a man's arm. Serve the Lord. He has saved you. He has rescued you. He has ransomed. He has paid the price. And if in my heart it is a schlep, 
I need to return to my first love. I need to go to a place say, Lord, I don't know where I got lost, but it's become law to me. It's become I must, I must, and not I want, I want. No one in this building would appreciate if their spouse tells them, but I must love you. You are my spouse. It's like, no, you must not. You must want to. I want to love you. We even try and raise our children to want to obedient, to be obedient, not you must be obedient. Unfortunately, they do not understand that so properly, so then they will reap the consequences and they realize for time being I must not be obedient. Henceforth. <laughs> Acts twenty, verse twenty-eight. Acts twenty, verse twenty-eight. Are you all comfortable? Everybody still awake? Not too boring? Fantastic, praise the Lord. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God who he purchased with his own blood. Because he's speaking to pastors there, am I right? But not only pastors. He's speaking to every member. Because we ought to become disciples and then disciple people. We have to become disciples. I need to choose somebody to mentor me that I can see the hand of God upon. And I don't have to be perfect. Okay, they can come from Randfontein as well. It's okay. You know. Um, springs off Benani. But watch out it's from Witbank. <laughs> And be discipled by that person. And then I have to turn around and say, let me disciple you. Let me disciple. Do you know how easy discipling is? Discipling is the most natural thing. And every single person I know does it. They just don't realize they are doing it. You see, every time you tell somebody about a special somewhere, you're actually discipling them. Hey, Cheese, you found, hey, you know what I got? I found cheese at 50 rand a kilogram at pick and pie. Okay? What's going to happen if somebody tells you that? Pick and pie, here I come. We're going to buy cheese at 50 rand a kilogram. And I got some lamb chops, bro. 35 rand a kg. That's ammo. Buying lamb chops. You're discipling. You, you're telling them what you've discovered. You're telling them what you discovered. You say, I have found something. Let me show you how it works. Years ago, we in Farnish Church, Vilma, um, I love Vilma. Vilma has got no filter. Okay? She's got no filter. She, she's just a tiny funny kerk. So in our outreaches, she did it many a time. She'll knock on the door. The guy will open the door halfway and she'll just kick that door open. That's a tiny funny kerk. <laughs> And she would enter, and those people would be, and the cockroaches, everything is running. Serious, serious, because we're going to low, poor places, and we're there, and Vilma would pray with them. And she ran this project every year, Christmas, a feeding program where we made food for about 5,000 people in Pretoria. The poikis. The, the lids look like gladiator shields. <laughs> Size 50 poiki. 
They would stand like this. And, we're like, and people would join and say, but how, what are we going to do with this food? I mean, it's food. It's a lot, a lot of food. What are we going to do with this? No, we're going to hand it out. And I still remember this one day. There's one guy literally said, you tell him you're going to drive down the road and people are going to come run for food. She says, yes. He says, I don't believe you. Can't be. So Vilma says, it's not a problem. All you do is you drive after me. It's all you do. So everybody's got a big fat poiki on the back of their baki and some polystyrene um, holders and we're skipping and we're dishing it up and Vilma's driving and we've got a convoy of bakis going. And we stop at the first place and the people start coming out for food and they're dishing up and they're dishing up and this guy and his bucky is the discipled. He sees it. His eyes go open. She cannot believe. He says, I know where to go. I know who needs the food. I know who needs the gospel. And he drives, he leaves everybody because he's being discipled. His eyes are open. He sees it. He just turns his bucky, he goes to the, two, three hours later, he comes back and I have another poiki, please. He's dishing out food all over. You see, we've got food that you cannot buy at Pick and Pay. If you see it, if you're discipled and you can see who needs it, you will go and give it. You will go, say, this is my body. It's the Lord's temple. He's paid for it. I'm going to serve him gladly. I'm going to dish out whatever I can. I'm going to, feel, I'm going to be discipled. I'm going to look after because I have been bought and the price has been paid for the lost so that they will not go to hell. Wonders lekker. Yes, amen. First Peter 1 18. Oh, Peter's hiding again. First Peter 1. For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. You see, we were not purchased with half a shekel. Amen. Do you understand that? We're not bought with half a shekel. If I get it so animated, please forgive me. <laughs> and sometimes I feel bad when I raise my voice, but I get so animated. I'm not screaming at you. I just can't keep it in, you know. Gotta let it out. <laughs> Uh, Neil Diamond, can't keep it in. I gotta let it. <laughs> As silver and gold, okay, for your vain conversation by tradition from your fathers. Go over the next verse. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, you and I were paid for. If then. I am saved. Paul always finishes, or often finishes, if then I am saved. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And that's the question. Jesus paid the ransom for you and I. Have you accepted it? Have you really accepted it? That he's paid the ransom for you? Or is it law? I come to church because it's the right thing. Because there's some social pressure on me. I, I try to read my Bible because, you know, I just have to because that's the right thing to do. Or am I saved? 
do I understand that I've been bought with the blood of Christ? And we're going to pray together. And maybe it's time for you and I to return to our first love and say, Lord, I didn't see it. I didn't see that you are the master of the temple. That you never needed to pay the tax, but you did for me. You paid with your blood. You paid with your life. I want to return to my first love. Or maybe you've never done that. You've never, ever had the work of the Holy Spirit in your inner being, giving you a regenerate spirit, reviving you, awakening you, opening your eyes to see Him as King of Kings. And it's all in faith. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, it is I. It is I. You know me. You know, me. you know whether I'm saved or not. Father, your word says that my spirit and your spirit together will testify that I am saved. I confess with my mouth and I believe with my heart that Jesus is Lord, that He died on the cross, and that the Father raised Him from the dead. I accept the price that You paid for me to set me free, to make me Your child. From today on, I believe in You as my Lord, as my Savior. My body, which is your temple, and my spirit belongs to you. And I freely, willingly give it to you. Do what you want to do, Lord, in my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me now. In Jesus, name. in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every set of eyes closed. If you have prayed that prayer for the very first time today, or you've come back to your first love this morning, you feel the Holy Spirit is working in your heart, would you just look at me, please? Just look at me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. See, I can't save you. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's for free. Father, we com I commit these souls to you. These individuals, Lord. I commit them to you. Lord, that you guard over them. That they might see. Thank you, Lord, Jesus, for the work you're doing. Holy Spirit, for what you are doing in the midst of us, for feeding us and nourishing us. Lord, help us to confine our offense to the cross. In Jesus' name. Amen. Won't you stand? I want to bless you before we go have some coffee. I want to bless you. All right. To be in a receiving mode, just open hands. Father, as ambassador of heaven, 2 Corinthians says we are ambassadors of Christ.
I come and bless your children. May the Lord's face shine upon you. May you enjoy the love of our Father, the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. This week, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's go have some coffee. God bless you guys. This ground is holy.